For grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, it is my, my privilege as well as something of a challenge to be able to try to convey to you the true character of God. The, the wonderful part is that, you know, God loves us. And hopefully we never get tired of hearing about that love. God is for us. You see, the God that, that we worship, not a God of our own design, but rather the God that represents himself through the Bible, is a God that follows the same commands that he gives to each of us. For example, God says, put the best construction on everything. You see, what that means for us is when God is up in the heavens and he's looking down at us and he's watching our behavior, he's not saying, oh man, look what she did again. Look at him. I think maybe I'll just stomp on him. Put an end to it. No, when God looks down from heaven upon us, he says, there is one of my children that I created. There's one of the people I made. God says he knows our name. He knows who we are. He earnestly desires that each and every person would be saved and come to the knowledge of him. But you see, there's other people out in, in the world that are worshiping a God of their own design. And, and maybe we say, well, well so what? Well, well, look at where it leads when you worship a God of your own design. In Martin Luther's day, he came up against a theology that suggested that everything that happened was according to God's will. And so therefore, when people were lost, it was because God had decided they would be lost. Now, you see, what, what, what does that do? I, I, I just buried my loved one, and my loved one, you know, I, I know that they were lost because of their behavior. Maybe at the funeral service itself, I put on a smile, and I, I, I talked about how, you know, they were, were kind to little puppies, and they did some, some good things in the community. But deep in my heart, I knew what kind of sins they were engaged in behind the scenes, and I, I, I knew that they were lost. And I went to the funeral, and, and the pastor kind of conveyed this message to me that everything that happens is according to God's will. And so therefore, if my loved one was lost, it, it must have been God's will. And then how does that make me feel about God? How does it make me feel? Oh, I probably don't like him very much now, do I? If God in his infinite wisdom made the decision that my loved one was going to be lost, and now they're in hell, 
I'm not sure I like that God very much. You see? And so then what, what happens to my salvation? It begins to crumble. It begins to fall apart simply because this pastor, this denomination had a false assumption that he conveyed to me about what reality is like. And Martin Luther in that particular you know, situation, he says, that is absurd. Well, when people are lost, it's not because God, in his infinite wisdom, designed a plan that they would be lost at the end. No, the Bible says God desires for everyone to be saved. For everyone to come to the knowledge of him. And so, of course, Martin Luther said that is just wrong. When people get lost, it's their own fault. It's not because it was part of God's plan, you see. And so Martin Luther always desiring to you know, show people the true character of God. What is God like? God is for you, you see. God's not up there and saying, oh man, that person, oh, stomp on him. Get him out of here. No, God is up there and said, there is my beloved child. And maybe I don't really like the things they're, they're doing right now, but I earnestly desire for them to come back to me. I earnestly long for them to repent of their sin. I greatly want them in my world again. I want them in my embrace. And yes, certainly there, there's going to be tears in heaven. We found that in our text again for today. But guess what? God has promised to wipe them from our eyes, you see. Some people might wait to the very end of their life to come back to God. Maybe just right before the moment of death, they return to the Lord. Like the thief on the cross, in the last minutes of their life, they're able to confess Christ. They're able to say, you know what? I am such an evil person. I deserved to have spikes driven through my hands and feet and to be hung in the air, suspended, and to be tortured before I die. I deserve it, but Lord, would you forgive me? Would you remember me when I come into the kingdom? And God does. Today you will be with me in paradise. And that, that man was there that very day. But you know what? He was probably weeping, wasn't he? Having wasted his entire life in sin and shame, he's probably sitting there, you know, even on, on God's knee. And God is holding him. And he's comforting him. And the man is repenting and he's confessing and he's you know, saying all the evil, terrible things that, that he's done. And he's weeping. And God himself is tenderly wiping the tears from his eyes. And yet that is not God's plan. 
You see, God doesn't say it in the Holy Scripture, my plan is that you would be devastated and you'd have a terrible life and all these things would go wrong, but that at the very last second you would be saved so you can be here in, in heaven and I can wipe the tears from your eyes. No, God says in the Holy Word that he has a good plan for your life. God says he has godly things for you to accomplish. God says that he desires that you would go out among your friends and neighbors and to be able to share the gracious and good parts of God's plan. He says he has things in store for your future, things that aren't going to harm you, things that will help you to prosper, things that will help to bring you a satisfying life. Now, certainly in this sin-filled world, it, it doesn't mean, you know, that we're going to be, you know, constantly exuberantly happy, but it, it does mean we will be satisfied, you see. It means that, that we will have good things. It means that God's plan is that at the end of our life, we'll be able to look back and see the things that we've accomplished, that we'll be able to, to be proud of the way we raised our children, that we'll have some kind of a, a legacy to be able to pass on to those around us. But, of course, living in a sin-filled world, what, what does that bring our way? Blessed are the persecuted, the scripture said for today. Blessed are those who suffer for my name's sake. You see. Blessed are those that continue to go out into a sin-filled world and say there is one true God. And this is what he is like. Oh, the world doesn't want to hear that message today, does it? That we would simply make a blunt statement like that. That we, we wouldn't use any, you know, really pre-qualifiers in, in our statement. No, that we, we would maybe mumble, well, in, in my humble opinion, I think that maybe Jesus is the best way. You see? That's what the, the world would, would want to hear. You know, if we let those Christians speak in the public sector, why, they better have some qualifiers built into their statements. You know, maybe Jesus is a, a good way for me, in my opinion. You see. Now, God wants us, his desire is that we would go out once again and proclaim his word. That we would be able to stand in the public square and to say the things that need to be said even though it might create opposition. Well, those are the great heroes of the Old Testament, aren't they? 
No, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, captured from their homeland, brought into a new culture, trained in a new way. Right? They're supposed to worship the king, the ruler of the land. The king decides to erect a huge image of himself. Everyone is called to bow down and worship that image of the king, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that remain standing. They won't take a knee. Thousands of people bowing down. They stick out like, you know, the sore thumb, right? They are noticed. They are, you know, now going to be executed in the fiery furnace. What's wrong with you guys? Why won't you do it the way that the nation is going? Why won't you do things like you're told? We serve the true God. And the true God is even able to keep us alive in the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, that's up to him. But we know he is able And we know that he has called us to stand even when these things are are not the way society wants them to be. See? They show their courage. They they show their commitment. Daniel in that same day and age, no, praying to God is banned. You can't pray to God. Well, Daniel wasn't, you know, standing there on on the street corner, you know, trying to make people see that he's breaking the law. No, Daniel goes to his his own home and he gets down on on his knees in his own living room as he always does and and he's praying to God and the the spies come and they're, you know, peeking through, you know, the shutters and they're they're looking around and, oh, there he is. We caught Daniel praying in his own home. We caught him. And, and Daniel said, they're very same. You know, I, I know that, you know, my Lord God can preserve me in the lion's den, but even if he doesn't, you know, I'm willing to do things God's way. It, it's not that, you know, the, these individuals didn't realize how dangerous the situation is. You know, many pastors throughout our land continue to hold services, and and right away, if it appears in the news, oh, pastor so-and-so denies science. My pastor so-and-so doesn't realize, you know, how dangerous this is. No, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized they could die in the fiery furnace, didn't they? Daniel realized he could die in the lion's den. In fact, he didn't know what means of execution would be devised for him. But he resolved within his heart that he would continue to do what God had called him to do, no matter what, even if it cost him his life, even if it was dangerous. And so they did. But dear friends, we live in a a culture today when it seems like the the least little complaint can stop the, the greatest among us. Doesn't it? 
right? The, the, the least little bit of criticism, and, and suddenly, oh, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're sorry, oh, we made a bad decision, oh, we're just like gonna, gonna back up until we trip over the step behind me and fall down, you know? And God calls us once again to be courageous. But guess what? We, we have free will. And that kind of brings us a, a, around to where I started, doesn't it? Because God does have a great plan for your life. God does have things for you to accomplish. But guess what? If you make the decision not to get out of bed in the morning... It's not somehow God's fault. And if you didn't get out of bed in the morning and do the things that God expected for you to do, those things, they don't get done. But we can't point at God and say, God, you know, it, it's your fault you didn't get me out of bed this morning. No, rather, we have to take the responsibility. We have to be able to say, guess what? God did have a good plan for my life, and, and God did have great expectations for me, but, but then I blew it, you know? I didn't follow through. I didn't do the things he wanted me to do. I failed in this particular area. But the graciousness of God means that doesn't have to be forever. Right, it, it means that I can get down on my knees once more and I can say, God, I messed up yesterday. And, and, and God, I, I, I failed and I was weak yesterday. And, and God, I, I fell into despair yesterday. But God, I know you still love me. And I know because Jesus Christ died on the cross, you forgive me. And I understand that you have good things planned for me. And maybe even though yesterday I didn't do it right, maybe even for the last week I haven't did it right, maybe for the last month, the last year, I haven't been doing it right. But now I long for you to come into my life again. And to fill me with your love. And to use me as your instrument. And dear friends, that is the prayer God longs to hear, isn't it? And God has still good plans for you. Now maybe you, the, the faithful that come and assemble on Sunday morning, maybe a, a lot of this isn't what you needed to hear personally today. But there's probably a, a son or daughter, a niece, a, a nephew, a, a grandson, a granddaughter out there in the world that's not with us in church today that needs that message desperately, right? The message is that we serve a God that represented himself through his holy Bible. It's not just a God of our own design. 
Now we, we did just get, get together and, and make a, a club and, and vote on the attributes of God. Oh, well, you know what? Well, what do you think would be best? Oh, I think. Oh, hey, that sounds good. We'll write that down. It's like, no, we go to the Holy Word. We have the standard. What is God like? Who does he say he is? How does he represent himself? What are his desires? We have it all written down for thousands of years. It's been with us. And using that as our foundation, we can then go out and make assertions. When God looks at you, there's love in his eyes. When someone does something mean to you, God says it's just as if somebody poked him in the eye. Have you ever thought about that? You know, sometimes in the, the midst of our despair and people are being mean to us and things aren't going our way, we, you know, we're naturally maybe going to languish a little bit. But have you ever thought to yourself, you know, when that person just said that mean thing to me, it's just as if they poked God in the eye. Maybe that changes your perspective a little bit. Now, instead of saying to ourselves, oh, you know, I, I guess God designed this humiliating event for my good somehow, and I sure was humiliated. And, oh, God, you know, I, I guess you know what you're doing. What if instead we, we thought to ourselves, you know what, when that person just humiliated me, they poked God in the eye. Does that change your perspective a little bit? Does that change how you feel inside? You know, that person didn't just do something mean to me. They did something mean to God. Oh, now God's on my side, you see. You know, in the first scenario, you know, God in his infinite wisdom designed this humiliating event to somehow, you know, create in me a, a, a better person. Not really sure how I feel about God right now. Right? The other perspective, you know, that person just poked God in the eye when they did something to me. God is right here with me, you see. God's in my corner. God says he is looking out for me. God says he can take this and use it for my good, even. If I keep following him. If I keep being called according to his purpose. And that's the God that we serve. A God that is for us. A God that loves us. A God that desires that we would be saved and come to the knowledge of him. A God that sent his only son to die just for us. To open the way to heaven for all who believe. A God that wants us. A God that has a good plan for our future. A God who says his plans are to prosper us and to give us good and satisfying things. Sure, sometimes 
When we run into the world, we might experience conflict because of our love of God. And sometimes when we get out there in the world, we might experience criticism because of our truth of God's word. But guess what? God says even in those times, it's as if those other people were poking him in the eye. And he longs to hold us in his arms to brush the tears from our eyes, to call us his sons, his daughters, to enjoy eternity with we, his children. Dear friends, that is the God that we serve. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.